This month I'm looking at Monty Python's Life of Brian, arguably the most acclaimed Jesus film of all time. Except, of course, that it isn't actually a film about Jesus at all. It's a film about Brian Cohen, another Jewish man who lived in the same area at the same time, but whom the film quite clearly shows is not Jesus. The two are exactly the same age and are born in the same place. Indeed, the pre-credit sequence shows the wise men mistakenly arriving at Brian's bedside before realising their error. Furthermore, Brian and Jesus live in the same general area as adults. The film's first main scene shows Brian on the fringes of the Sermon on the Mount. A failure to grasp this basic point was behind much of the controversy that greeted the film. A debate on British TV's Friday night, Saturday morning show typified this misunderstanding as Python's John Cleese and Michael Palin sought to defend the film from Michael Muggeridge and the then Bishop of Southwark. Uh, you keep making the basic assumption that we are ridiculing Christ and Christ's teaching and I say that we are not. But do you imagine that your scene, for instance, of the Sermon on the Mount the scene in this, in your, your film of the Sermon on the Mount right. is not ridiculing one of the most sublime utterances that any human being has ever spoken on this earth. Of course it is. No, no, it's Absolutely making fun not. of the guy who's remembered it wrong and of the people who don't understand it and miss mm. the point. Well, I think, I that think that's really unfair because I think that a lot of people looking in will think that we have, we have actually ridiculed Christ yes. physically. Christ is played by an actor, Ken Colley. He speaks the words... Um, from the Sermon on the Mount. It's treated absolutely respectfully. The camera then pans away, we go right to the back of the crowd to someone who shouts, speak up. Mm. Given how popular the film has become, there's surprisingly little discussion about the film's plot. This is in part due to the way that the Pythons played with conventional narratives, such as when a spaceship swoops down and scoops up Brian. But it's also an indication of the way that comedy is not often taken as seriously as other genres. Yet whilst Python's other films like Meaning of Life and Quest for the Holy Grail are essentially just a collection of sketches, albeit with a common theme, Life of Brian is their most narratively coherent film. This perhaps goes largely unnoticed because the other Python films teach us not to expect a plot, but this is precisely the reason, for me at least, that Brian is their most accomplished film. What's surprising is that once you, that you look at the plot, it becomes apparent that it's a comedy about boy meets girl. At the end of the famous Sermon on the Mount scene, we have a close-up on Judith, which is accompanied by music suggesting some kind of romantic awakening in Brian, and his gaze, fo gaze follows her for some moments. Brian then joins the people's front of Judea, but again his eyes are on Judith. As the film progresses, he tries to impress her by painting political slogans and taking part in an attempt to assassinate Pilate's wife, but it's his newfound role as mistaken messiah that causes her to fall for him. And when he's crucified, she celebrates his bravery rather than mourns his death. There's obviously a lot of other things going on, but once you notice it, it's clear that it's Brian's feelings for Judith that really drives the story. Another aspect of the film that is often overlooked is the score by Geoffrey Burgeon. Whilst Bergen's music cites Mozart, Wagner and Monteverdi, all anyone really remembers is the Shirley Bassey-esque theme song and Eric Idle's Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. But it's attention to details such as these that make Life of Brian such a success. Once the farce and the humour are put to one side, there are numerous interesting and theological details. But it's the film's humour that is the reason for its popularity. I'm not going to try and convey any of the jokes, or even analyse them. 
anyone that tries to unpick a particular joke to explain why it's funny. It's like the man who carved open the goose who laid the golden eggs in his quest to discover her secret. But it's the volume of jokes in life of Brian, combined with Monty Python's gift for sending up the absurd, that lies at the heart of the film's success. Some would also say it's the troops of reverence. Yet actually, Life of Brian is very respectful of Jesus. When, ahead of the film's release, Eric Idle was asked about which project they were working on, he quipped, Jesus Christ lusts for glory. But such disrespect is largely absent from the finished film. In addition to affirming that as a baby Jesus was visited by three wise men, and that his teaching drew crowds, the film also introduces us to a leper he has healed. Of course, the scene that is considered least respectful is the final crucifixion scene, where those on the cross sing along to always look on the bright side. Clearly, it makes a mockery of crucifixion, but it's also sending up Spartacus. And Christians would do well to remember that the method of Jesus' execution was horrifically commonplace in Jesus' day, and was actually designed to humiliate and mock the condemned as much as possible. But the film also suggests that the Jesus movement could all have happened by accident. That said, its main message is not that religion is inherently wrong, but that blind faith in any ideology is. However, at the end of the day, Life of Brian does what all good films do. It's excellent at a particular thing. In this film's case, its comedy is hilarious, whilst remaining thoughtful. And as a result, it has gained a dedicated following and appears time after time in lists of people's favourite films. That's all for this month. There'll be another Jesus Films podcast shortly. Thanks for listening.